Welcome back, everybody. Another edition of NHL Trade Talk, the podcast. My name is Jim Parsons here with the Hockey Raiders, NHLTradeTalk.com. As always, with Brooke Laferno, also of the Hockey Raiders and NHLTradeTalk.com. And Blackhawks Banter, if you want to listen to a podcast about the Chicago Blackhawks, uh, she is the resource for that. Brooke, how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. Uh, the NHL has had some pretty weird news stories, so I can't wait to dissect all this with you. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to go through some trade hits today. We're going to kind of run through a list of some names that are out there right now. And whether or not they're officially in the trade rumor mill or they're just being discussed as possible options for trades or teams have told these players, go seek a trade. Like there's just so many different scenarios with the players that we're going to go run through here. So we have what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, about eight or nine players on this list that we're going to go through over the next couple of minutes on the show. And we'll just go back and forth with our takes on what we think is going to happen and where this is all at. Sound good? Yep. Sounds good. Okay. Well, let's start with the Vancouver Canucks because they are a team that has been in the news uh, a lot over the last couple of days here. Two main players, although I think the consensus here seems to be Elliot Friedman is reporting from Sportsnet that this could be the beginning of a dismantling Vancouver, that there are a lot of people and I didn't even put them on this list, but like Thatcher Demko should be out there maybe on this conversation but uh, Bo Horvat and Brock Besser are the two names in Vancouver that everybody seems to be watching Brock Besser is a very interesting over the last like 48 to 72 hours because the reports are that he's been told by the Vancouver Canucks that he is welcome to go seek a trade so uh, first I should get your take on what happened here so Besser's not playing great he's struggling a little bit he's been okay but he's nothing Mm-hmm. nothing great right and they're expecting a lot more out of him and he's one of the reasons not the only one that vancouver is struggling a little bit here so he was going to be healthy scratched for a game in which hockey fights cancer was happening in vancouver if anybody knows the Besser story his father passed away it's very touching and very emotional uh, game for him and for whatever reason vancouver decided that this was the game that they were going to scratch him not only that but they didn't tell him They just sort of put it on the whiteboard in the locker room, and he found out when he got there that he wasn't projected to play that game. So clearly he's upset. He's frustrated. He feels kind of shafted by all of this. It does turn out that he ends up playing in the game, but the Mm -hmm. whole idea here is that of all the games that you would scratch Brock Besser, maybe this was not the one to do it. And now we're finding out that there's a lot more going on behind the scenes here in Vancouver. Bruce Boudreaux is maybe not on board with Besser and who knows what the organization's thinking is. They said, tell your agent, go seek a trade. If you want to be moved out of here, if you think there's another option for you and a better fit somewhere else, you're welcome to check it out. So he's doing that. And reports are that he's, his agent has talked to like half a dozen teams. So where are, do you sit on the whole thing of him being healthy scratch for that game? He did play, but they were going to scratch him. What happened there? I think that is very, very strange. I kind of get the whole notion behind it. I know Brodeur talked about kind of tough love a little bit. When your team is struggling or a player is struggling, I get that. You need accountability. But with Besser, I think something that kind of sticks out to me is he's still producing in this league. I mean, I think he has like 16 points or something along that line. And I know he wasn't scoring very often or not very much. I think he only had like one goal in the past six games or something like that. So I I think it was kind of just in poor taste. I think he should have left it for maybe the next game. I understand the notion of it, but it didn't seem logical. I'm sorry, it was 16 points in 20 games, Brock Besser. So he is still yeah. producing, but... It's not terrible. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. So, like I said, only four goals this season. Yeah, that's definitely not him, but he's only 25 years old. And, I mean, he means a lot to the team. So, yeah, it was in poor taste for sure. But um, I know Brock Besser said he's moving on from it. You know, like, it just is what it is. But, yeah, definitely poor taste. Yeah, and and Boudreaux kind of said when he was asked about this thing, he didn't even clue in to the fact that these two things were connected, like that he had made the decision to scratch Brock Besser a day earlier than that and didn't really connect the two dots. And so, like, it just seems weird because Friedman said later, he's like, well, Brujo's pretty good at this. Like, he, he's he got a heart, he's got a you know pulse on the team and what matters to people, and he's kind of a sensitive coach in that regard, and he just missed this. And so okay. Friedman's arguing that Brujo's under so much stress and pressure in Vancouver, which might be true, that he's just not thinking like he normally would think as a coach, and he's not in as as in tune with his players as he maybe needs to be. So there's a lot going on here, like in Vancouver, there's real problems. It's not just so much Besser in the coach or Besser in the Canucks organization, but it's Boudreaux who is flustered, who is just sort of thrown off with the lack of success that this team is having the lack of faith that Patrick Alvin, the GM and Jim Rutherford, the president have shown in this team, like, they're out there talking all the time about how these players might get moved, how this coach isn't really, you know, putting the system together. Like it's ugly in Vancouver. It's just not, it's not normal, which should of course then lead us to think, well, Bo Bo Horvat's got to be gone. Don't you think like, is this a player that is probably going to be moved because he's a pending UFA. He's going to be very popular on the trade market prior to the deadline. Vancouver's going to get a pretty decent return for this guy. And the way that they handled the JT Miller contract, the way that they're handling this Brock Besser situation, I don't see how Horvat stays. Do you? No, I don't either. And like I said, when they were going through that losing streak, I think when it hit six games, he was kind of talking about how it feels like we've been rebuilding um, for a long time and it seems like it's never going to end. I know that was frustration talking and obviously he knew they would win a game at some point and they did, but it kind of shows you that I think even though they're a little bit better, um, I mean, they're 23rd in the league. That's not really better, but obviously better than when they started. But I think it kind of, he knows, he knows the writings on the wall. This team is obviously still rebuilding and there's no quick fix in Vancouver. I don't think at all. Um, to try to get them back into contention. I think they just got to go from the ground up. So I think as tough as it is, I do think he sees the writing on the wall. So I really don't see a chance that he stays um, as tough as that might be for some um, Canucks fans, but that's a tough part of the business, right? I just, yeah, just tough decisions have to be made, but the more they play, the more I don't see how he stays. Okay. So let me ask you this. So if Besser goes, and Horvat probably goes, and I'm assuming like someone like Luke Shen, who isn't a huge name, but is probably going to be a popular player for teams that want to play off experienced defenseman, a rugged guy who can battle through the games. Uh, so I think, I'm assuming he will probably go. Do you trade Thatcher Demko? Like, are you looking at this goaltender who has struggled this year and he's not been anywhere near the level that you would hope that Demko? Because mm-hmm. there were a lot of people saying coming into the specific division that Demko was the best goalie in the division. Mm-hmm. Like Markstrom's got a really high reputation. Nobody knew what Vegas's goaltenders were going to do. Edmonton's was a question mark. It's turned out to me not so great, although Skinner played really well the other night. Demko was supposed to be that guy in mm-hmm. the division, and he has not been. So right. do you move him if you're Vancouver and you're completely tearing it down? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how you move Miller at this point, but maybe. Yeah, no. Do you move Demko? I do. 
actually. I feel like if you're doing a rebuild, you can't go halfway. If you're going to get rid of Besser and Horvat and all the other plays, you have to go Demko too. And Demko, I do think he has a good reputation around the league. He might struggle, but he has been known to be very steady over the last few years. Actually, probably one of the more underrated goalies in the league. So I do think they could get a good return for him, even though, like you said, he's had some struggles. So, But I think they have to do kind of what the Blackhawks kind of did. They got rid of Marc-Andre Fleury, um, who was their starter at the deadline. And then obviously over the summer, just got rid of everyone, got rid of Alex Dabrinkit and Dominic Kubelik and, you know, and Dylan Strom. So I do think if they do commit to it, they are going to go all the way. And I think Demko is part of that as well. Yeah. To me at this point, the only two players that you maybe keep are Elias Pedersen and Quinn Hughes. I Mm -hmm. don't know who else you keep on that roster. I don't know who you can move. Like Tyler Myers seems like he's an unmovable contract to me, but I know the Canucks are trying Um, that not sure. You mentioned the Chicago Blackhawks. This is a team that you covered. Let's move in that direction right now. Uh, this might be a quick hit because maybe there's not much news uh, to give or updates to make here. We're th- constantly hearing the names Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves. Now, Max Domi, Andreas Athanasiu, those are players we assume might move even a Jack Johnson could go. Um, but Kane and Taves, they're the two major players coming from that Blackhawks organization. Last that we've heard is that there is still no conversation going on okay. between the Blackhawks and Kane that he has not been asked, nor has he told them that he wants to go anywhere. He did make comments that he would probably look at this a little bit later. It sounds like he's, who knows exactly if you're flying the wall or what's happening there, that he's starting to get a little irked by the fact that they're just not winning. Uh, it is what they thought this was going to be for Chicago. They just are not uh, a good team because they've dumped a lot of their players and they're going full rebuild mode. Like you said, what happens? Where are we at with Patrick Kane? Is he a player that you think is on the verge of saying to this team, okay, let's take a look at this? Yes, I actually do. And I think there was actually a lot of people that thought he would stay even through the troubles. Like as long as he thought that everyone maybe was still producing above expectations, like kind of when they started the year five and four, it was pretty good there for a bit. But now the writing's on the wall that this team is just not going to go anywhere. They're second worst in the NHL. I mean, it doesn't get lower than that. And, you know, they're not guaranteed the top three pick or I mean, if they stay this way, they are. But you never know. I mean, so... But I did know, or Kane did mention that um, he would have a talk with his agent and Kyle Davidson pretty soon to kind of get a feel for where each other is at. And I do think I can see Kane going at this point. I do think that he sees the writing on the wall that if he wants to compete, it's not going to be here and it's not going to be here for a very long time. But like I said, it's interesting because he kind of made it sound like he wanted to see everything through, maybe even through this year. Um, But I don't see how he stays anymore either. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I heard January they were probably having these conversations or at least going to start having these conversations. I don't know how even if you get Connor Bedard, that Chicago is a team that is going to win now in the term that Kane's got left. Uh, even if he were to sign, you know, because he, he's he's good enough, although he struggled this year comparatively mm-hmm. to what has been going on in his career. And I don't know if that's the pressure of the situation or if that's, the start of maybe a little bit of regression in Patrick Mm -hmm. Kane's game. I don't know what it is. I don't watch this team like you do. So maybe you can shed a little light on that, but I don't see the fit here. Like even if they get Connor Bedard, I don't see how this marriage of those two players playing for a long time together actually works in Chicago. So Mm -hmm. I think Chicago is just really hoping that Patrick Kane says, okay, like I'm good. Let's do this. Um, What's going on with him anyway? Like, is he, is he just struggling? Is it in his head? Like, what are you seeing when you watch these games? I actually, 
I know a lot of people were kind of mentioning maybe regression. I don't see that. I still see skill, but what I do see is a little bit of dejection. You can kind of see it in the way he skates. He's not really skating like he used to. It seems more like I was just talking with someone the other day and we were kind of talking about it seems like he's mostly playing not to get hurt at this point. It seems like I feel like if he was on a team like the Edmonton Oilers or the New York Rangers, that he would be lighting the lamp every single night. So I don't think it's a talent issue or a regression, but I do think it's a lot of dejection at this point. Like, he just knows where the team is going, that it's going nowhere. And I do think that the, you know, trade deadline is kind of weighing on him because his manager did say they would touch base in December and January. So we're in December. Could be coming up mm. pretty soon here. So, um, yeah, I don't see regression. I just see that he's he's not really surrounded by a lot of talent, and I think that's kind of weighing on him too. So. I do think it's kind of more where everything is weighing on him um, emotionally. And I think that's really understandable at this point. If that's true. And I'm not saying it isn't, but I, I, cause I think, you know, you would know watching the games and if he is dejected, why not say to the organizational okay, I'm ready to do this? Like, cause wouldn't getting that out of the way, if you can mm-hmm. and moving your season in a different direction, be the best course of action. Like, is it an optics thing? Is he worried about how people in Chicago are going to look at him if he says that now versus says it later? No, I don't think so. But he did mention a point a couple of weeks ago about how the locker room is not as fun as it used to be when obviously they started the season and things were actually going better. Now they were in an eight game losing streak and he was kind of talking about how the locker room is not as fun or the vibes are not as fun as they used to be, but I'm not miserable. I don't know if he's kind of using that as, well, I'm not miserable. Like, it's not as fun, but I'm not miserable. I don't know if that's, like, his line. Like, I'm going to wait till I'm absolutely miserable to start demanding a trade. Or, like I said, I do think it's a family thing, too. He has a child, and he has a girlfriend that lived here. Um, So I do think, like I said, and, like, Claude Giroux shares the same agent, and they were in the same situation last year. So I do think he will wait till the trade deadline, no matter what, at this point, um, just to kind of see where everyone is at team-wise um, in the league that want him. But. Yeah, I do think it's kind of a miserable. It's on like the line of being a miserable. I don't know how much misery he's willing to take, but I think he set himself a line. Yeah, I, I and to me, it seems just one of those things. You just have to say, okay. Like, mm-hmm. he doesn't have to demand anything. He doesn't have to, he just has to say, okay. Like, yeah. that's it. One one word, okay. And then Kyle Davidson can start looking, right? Because he's right. got permission to do it. What's the latest on Jonathan Taze? Are you hearing anything there? Is this the same sort of dejected sort of player is he a little more positive you know maybe a more natural leader in Chicago he's having a decent season compared you know where Kane has struggled a little bit Jonathan Taves has played much better than people think or thought that he would where is that because there was some buzz for a while that there were a lot of teams that might kick tires on him um I keep hearing that as well but I'm still hearing that moving him is not going to be as easy as moving um, Kane. I think there's still a lot of issues there, but he's having a great year um, at the faceoff dot. He's like an automatic faceoff win at this point. Um, and he, he is producing, but it's still kind of the same thing with him. Like you said, with Kane, like could be, could be not, they're still waiting on him, but I did hear that it might, he might stay. Kane maybe might be more willing to leave than Taze. And I don't know if that's based on, there just wouldn't be as much interest in Taze. And I could see that as well. So he's having a better year than last year, although he has gone cold um, a little bit lately. He hasn't scored in quite a few games now, but he still is doing better. So that's something to cling on to. And maybe his hope is free agency, but we'll see. But yeah, that's there's kind of not much news on the Jonathan Taze front. It's interesting how that works, right? You've got a player who is outperforming expectations 
yet he's the one that's going to be hard to move. And then you've got a player in Patrick Kane who is not playing as well as everyone would hope that he would play in a contract year. And yet he'll be easy to mm-hmm. move no matter what his production is. Right. Isn't it funny how that works? I mean, uh-huh. yes, the history of these two players in the last couple of seasons really leads towards Patrick Kane being the more valuable of the two people, but uh, they offer different things. They offer different intangibles. So I'm intrigued to see where this goes. Uh, speaking of, intriguing players who have been in the news and rumor mill for a while. Jacob Chikrin out of Arizona is back. He's playing with the Coyotes, which most people said this is going to be the determining factor as to if he gets traded, where he gets traded, what teams are interested in him, what they're willing to give up. We need to see him playing. We need to see that he's healthy, that he looks good, that he's picked up where he sort of left off. And we're starting to get that indication that, you know, he's back. He's not, he's going to be ready to go. Uh, what do you imagine here? Like, are we, is he still the defenseman? I mean, we're going to talk um, a little bit about another defense, a big, big name defenseman here who could be on the move, but Chikrin has always been at the top of this sort of mm-hmm. list of available defensemen who we assume is more likely to get traded than not get traded. Anything you're thinking in that regard? Like I haven't really watched him play since mm-hmm. he's returned. I don't know how he's done, but I think he's playing the minutes already. Like he's up there. He's, He's mm-hmm. he's playing a lot for Arizona, which is a good thing. Uh, you think this is probably a matter of, you know, just figuring out who's going to jump in here and who's going to give that offer up? I still see it as a matter of when, not if. He's doing wonders for himself right now as far as trade value goes because he did miss the start of the season with an injury, but now he has six points in seven games since returning, which is pretty good for him. And plus, they said he's now six on the team in total shots on goal with 31, even though he's only been back for seven games. So right now he's helping his stock a lot, and I think that's what teams want to see is kind of that production because he has dealt with injuries a little bit, and it was kind of hard to tell how he would return, but obviously they see he is doing pretty well. So I do see it as a win. My thing now is it looks like Ottawa might be out of the chicken um, sweepstakes, which we talked about earlier in the season, that that seemed like it made too much sense, um, but – yeah, I still see him getting moved, but I just don't know when. It's like the Coyotes just keep on holding on, so I don't know what they're thinking right now. Well, what are they – I mean, if they were already asking for the sun, the stars, the moon, the sky, and everything else for Chakrin when he wasn't playing, mm-hmm. if he's playing and he's got six points in seven games and he's playing a bunch of minutes and he's shooting like crazy and it, he continues to do that, you have to be kind of curious as to when Arizona says, okay, what's the sell high point? What's the – let's move this point? What are we doing with Chikrin here? Because you you want to hang on to him as long as he's producing and playing really well because you'll get more form and more teams will be like, man, he's really good. Like we, we should probably get in on this and maybe we do want to give up close to what Arizona is asking. But then there's also that like what happens if you hold on too long, right? It's kind of like a stock. If you hold on, hold on, hold on, and then it drops and you miss that curve by whatever. Could that happen with Chikrin? Like could he play so well then all of a sudden you're like, man, he is at the highest point of his trade value right now. You don't make the move. You hold on just a little too long if you're Arizona. You don't get that deal that you want, and then he doesn't do that anymore. Like he starts to not get the points, or he starts to do a struggle, or heaven forbid, he gets hurt again, right? Uh-huh. Like what what happens then? Like what do you think Arizona Arizona is going to do here? Like will they finally go? Okay, we've got our teams in here. They're willing to give us what we're asking for. We're close to it. Let's mm-hmm. do this. Or do you think they hold on and just go, let's ride this train as long as Chickren's producing and see how much we can get for this guy? I do think teams that are watching Chickren want to see more than seven games. It's a good sample size right now. And I know he has proven himself in the past, but just because of his recent injuries, I do think they want to see more than seven games from him for sure. 
But I do think if you're Arizona, if you're Arizona, you have to kind of think about this streak going on right now. You have to wonder if it's sustainable for him or like you said, God forbid he gets hurt again. So, and we have seen this in the NHL, a lot of players that get held on to for too long and then end up having to settle for less. Um, that kind of happened with Alex Dabrinkit a little bit with Chicago. They might have held on to him a little bit too long, and then they kind of overestimated his value. Um, and then they kind of had to settle for not what they were hoping for. So um, I do think it's smart to trade him sooner rather than later, but it seems like they're maybe holding out for the trade deadline still. So we'll see. But there has to be, I think, caution with Chikrin a lot, considering his history. And he's a great defenseman, and a lot of teams would love to have him, but there has to be some level of caution from the business side of it. The trade deadline's an interesting factor for me on him because he's not a rental, right? Exactly. He's a, he's a, he's a player that's got another con another year in his deal after this, so, mm-hmm. and he's got a good well more, and he's got a good contract. So mm-hmm. if you're trading for this player, you're trading for somebody that you think will be part of your team for a while, mm-hmm. and so that to me, I would man, if Arizona's got somebody coming up and saying, you know what, okay, let's do this, and I'm going to give you, you know, kind of what you're asking for, at least very close to it, or better than any offer you've received so far, and you've decided not to move this player because you're not getting what you want. I don't know why Arizona holds on to this guy, right? Like mm-hmm. if your plan is to move him, and your plan was always to move him, and you just wanted to get close to your asking price, then you probably should do it as soon as you get close to your asking price. But uh, you don't want to get too greedy because it could come back to bite you in the butt. Uh, let's move on to St. Louis. Here's another team that has mm-hmm. been, man, talk about a weird season. They were terrible. Yes. Then they won like seven in a row. And now they're really bad again. And St. Louis is a team that I don't know what they are. I don't know if they're any good. I don't know if they suck. I have no idea if this is a team that will make the playoffs. And if they do make the playoffs, even remotely compete in the playoffs. And I don't think the coach knows what's happening. I don't think the GM understands exactly what's gone wrong here. There are players like Ryan O'Reilly who have just not been very good. Uh, He's on a contract year. So you'd think he'd be much better than he is. Uh, Vladimir Tarasenko has not necessarily produced at the levels that you would hope. And after last year, when he sort of had a bounce back season after an injury, he's not doing that again. So St. Louis is really in the news a lot uh, this last few days, because it sounds like Rutherford is thinking the GM in St. Louis, that maybe it's time to move things around. And Ryan O'Reilly was a player they thought might get an extension in St. Louis. And now that's a really big question mark, whether or not they're going to keep him or try to trade him. The problem with O'Reilly is that you want him as a leader. You'd like him as a depth center. You like him for a lot of reasons, but if he isn't producing and there's something going on there this year, what are you willing to give up for him? And he's got a pretty big contract. So even if you retain salary, you're 50% of St. Louis retains. It's still a $3.75 million player who you have to make room for who has sucked this season. Like he's just no sugarcoating. He's not been good at all. Um, I, we have them on our draft team and that's why I know because yeah. <laughs> it's awful, right? It's just been terrible. Um, what happens with O'Reilly here? Like, does he figure it out? Does he get a deal in St. Louis? Is he moved? Like, will a team really want him? What do you project here for this player? Well, I'm terrible at these predictions. I think most of my predictions last year were wrong on this front, but I don't see O'Reilly getting traded. And I don't think it's because of the player. Like, I think people know he has value, but he's just not playing well this year. I mean, he's only got 12 points this year, which for him is pretty bad. And I just don't see it working. I don't see him staying with St. Louis though, either. I do see him leaving in free agency. So it's an interesting dynamic there with St. Louis for sure though. Like you said, they were on an eight game losing streak. And then right after that, we're on a seven game winning streak. And now they're sixth in the central division. It's just something's wrong here. And O'Reilly, I think is definitely part of that. And I don't, 
mean that in a mean sense. It's more like they kind of rolled the way for a long time. They got a Stanley Cup, and now it's kind of like everyone's just kind of declining, which is par for the course. But, yeah, I don't see O'Reilly getting traded at this point. I just don't think the value is there. I do see him staying the rest of the season. To me, I think Ryan O'Reilly gets traded to a team that has an LTIR situation pop up here between now and the playoffs. Right now, we're looking at a lot of teams. Like, say, for example, Colorado, where they're just decimated by injuries. They've lost five of their top six forwards. Now, none of those players are on LTIR, meaning that they will come back at some point this season. Look at the Edmonton Oilers, Evander Kane. He will come back at some point this season. There's a lot of teams that have major injuries, but most of these players are going to be due back before the playoffs begin. If there's a team that hits that LTIR situation and they know that player will be out until the playoffs then I could see maybe Ryan O'Reilly getting some interest because that team can go, well, we have free money because when this player comes back in the playoffs, their captain doesn't count. We can bring both players in. Maybe Ryan O'Reilly, when he's on a different team, has a different spark. He's remotivated. He finds his game a little bit, and then we don't have to commit to him. And if St. Louis is willing to retain 50% for, say, a third round or whatever pick, uh, then I would see them doing that, right? Mm -hmm. I just, I don't know why, especially if you're, right that Ryan O'Reilly probably has decided that this isn't going to work out for me in St. Louis. So um, that would be very interesting to me. I, I do agree. I think it's as likely that there isn't a huge market for him at his cap hit. And that if he continues to stink and not get any points <laughs> and really not play the type of game that Ryan O'Reilly can play, that teams will be worried about that. And they'll be finding better ways to spend their money because it's limited, right? There's not a lot of money to go around and not a lot of teams have it. The one maybe, you know, left field sort of whatever would be a team like Seattle. You know, mm-hmm. if they for some reason can stay in this hunt and they're in the playoff mix when no one thought they would be, they got all sorts of money, right? They've got cap room to to do some stuff. So maybe they're a left field kind of let's try this and just see what happens, right? Like maybe we get into the playoffs, maybe we win a couple of rounds and we make some money and that's great. But they're still rebuilding. So or not rebuilding, but they're still building. What about Tarasenko, though? Here's a player that has been in and out of the trade talk for a long time. We believe that he is not long to stay in St. Louis. He still wants out. Uh, He Mm -hmm. asked out, didn't get traded. Seemed like everything was sort of kosher for a while. The two sides were getting along, but there was always that background talk that he had not rescinded his trade, that he still was kind of like, yeah, if I can get moved, I I want you to move me. Mm -hmm. And now St. Louis is probably looking at this going, yeah, I think it's time to do this. Um, maybe they're going to try to move him. Do you think Tarasenko gets moved? Like I would imagine he's more likely a trade candidate and more teams will probably like they're different players, right? One's a winger, one's a center. Mm-hmm. One offers different values and attributes, but I think Tarasenko is probably a team that will have a little more. There's teams that will be interested because he's proven he can score and top six scoring and regular consistent scorers are harder to find. Mm-hmm. And so do you think he gets moved? Yes, I do, actually. I think it's been overdue. Like you said, he did ask for a trade a couple years ago, and he's still hanging on. So, And I do think there's a lot of value in Tarasenko. I know this from watching him face the Blackhawks for so many years. I, that guy is just really good. Right now, he's second best on the St. On St. Louis with 12 points. He does have seven goals um, in 23 games, which is not really great for him. But I do think maybe it's kind of like Ryan O'Reilly a little bit. Maybe they both need a change of scenery maybe to kind of go get back to form, maybe that's what it could be. But I do see there being a market for Tarasenko because he's going to be a free agent. Maybe the contract was a bit of an issue. People were kind of wary to take on that big of a contract, especially because he's been hurt. Um, He struggled with injuries in the past. So I do think that was the time to move him. And if he still remains a top scorer on the Blues, 
they could get a decent package for him. So I see that happening for sure. Yeah, if I mean, seven goals in 23 games. Like you said, it's not necessarily the pace that he would normally be on, but if he pots a couple, you know, all of a sudden he's got nine or 10 in 24, 25 games, he's on a 25 to 30 goal pace again, right? And so you 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 give a something up for a player like that all day long. If you're a team mm-hmm. that is contending and you're trying to add that one scorer or that one top six player that you think will get you some goals in the playoffs, and he will. Like he absolutely will. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. That was kind of a fun little list there to go through. Oh, well, the, I guess the one thing we got to talk about is Eric Carlson. I, we skipped over him, but he's a player that uh, is out there. And speculation is that he said in an interview with Elliot Friedman, when asked directly, what do you make of all these rumors? He just said, I want to win. Mm-hmm. That was what he said. Like, it wasn't like, oh yeah, I want to stay. He did say, I hope I could do this here. But he didn't really suggest he was like married to the idea of, of winning in San Jose. He just wants to win. Um, he's a really big contract. He's playing fantastic hockey. He's only 32. So he's he's going to be a player that will offer a lot more years. And he even said it in that interview. He's like, I got a lot, a lot more hockey left in me. What happens with Eric Carlson? The latest we're hearing is Darren Dreger reported the Oilers are kicking tires on this. I can't imagine that they're the only team that would look into this. Um, Ottawa maybe might be interested in bringing him back, although I'm not sure how likely that is. Do you think that that contract is movable despite how well he's playing? No, I really don't. And I think it just has to do with term. I think a lot of term on contracts is what's scaring people away. If maybe at one or two years, fine, but no, I don't think it's movable. And it kind of stinks because he's doing so well and he deserves to win. He hasn't won Stanley Cup for how good he's been but I also think there is an issue with kind of the way he's performed I don't know if that's sustainable he's having a good year but who knows if that will happen again next year he's getting older so I do think there are intangibles here with Eric Carlson but unfortunately I don't see him getting moved I just think that contract is way too big I mean it goes his contract goes through 2026 to 2026-27 season so yeah that's a lot to take on for someone who's having one really good season. Although he's had great seasons in the past, I just think that's a lot to gamble on. Yeah. Well, here's, here's a, an interesting take that I, I agree with you in many respects, but I do, I am curious about how this is going to work because when you say term is scaring people off, I wonder if there are some GMs in the league that are looking at the salary cap going up and saying to themselves, man, if we can get the sharks to retain, you know, 40, 35, 40% of the salary, and we can get Eric Carlson down to a seven and a half or $8 million player. He's someone I think teams would look at, especially a team like the Oilers. Now, having said that, the Oilers don't have mm-hmm. the money. So there's there's really no way outside of some miracle happening or some major trades going on or things, and I don't know how they do it. But like, look at a Duncan Keith and what he did for an Evan Bouchard last year, right? He retired. Evan Bouchard has massively struggled this season. Uh, Keith maybe didn't produce at the level that he used to be able to produce at, but he was valuable. He was absolutely value, valuable for the Oilers. I think a guy like Eric Carlson would be exactly that again in Edmonton, like he or another team, wherever it is that he goes. Like, I think he's that good. He's and he's more production than Duncan Keith would have been at the same time. Uh, He's a better player right now than Duncan Keith was last year, but he still offers all that leadership. He offers the veteran experience. He offers the playoffs. He offers all of those things. And he doesn't offer the Stanley cup winning pedigree that Duncan Keith did. But he could still give you that. The trick is, like you said, it's the money. But I do wonder if the term isn't as huge of an issue because if people project the salary cap to go up three or four or five million dollars over the next three or four seasons, a seven million dollar Eric Carlson, even if he isn't perfect, 
isn't that bad. Eleven and a half million dollar Carlson is bad. Like that's an expensive deal. But if you can get San Jose to eat thirty five to forty percent of that, you never know, right? So I am curious to see where this goes because I think if Carlson says, "Yeah, I'm happy to go," and the San Jose Sharks, okay, we'll look around and we'll see. I think there are teams that will do it, and I think it's just a matter of whether or not they can do it. And that's going to be interesting because that'll all depend on what San Jose is willing to take back. Yeah, and so I think they, it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. It's certainly possible. It's like you said, it's probably not likely and it's going to be very hard to do because there's only a couple teams that would be able to pull it off. But again, he's got terms, so he's not a rental, right? He's a player that you've said, okay, I think that we can really maximize his value for the next three or four seasons. What can we do with this player? Where does he fit on our roster? Is he that important to what we're trying to do here? I think there's probably a couple teams that look at it and say, I think so. So it'll be very interesting to see where that goes, but uh, I don't know if he gets moved. I think there's a lot that has to happen there. He has to say, yep, I want to San Jose says, okay, let's figure out what teams you're willing to go to. And then those teams have to have the money and the motivation to do it. Uh We'll see. Anyway, that covers them all uh, at least for now, because there's going to be some (laughs) more players that pop up here in the next uh, few weeks as the deadline rolls around for March 3rd, I think is when it is. Right. So it feels like a long ways away, but we're already in December. You know, so it's not like it's that far away. I think teams mm-hmm. are going to start talking. I think they're going to start figuring out internally what they can, will, or are unwilling to do. And then we'll sort of see where it all goes. Brooke, thank you very much. Uh, another edition of NHL Trade Talk, the podcast. Uh, do us a favor. Listen, share, subscribe, download. Put an Apple uh, five-star rating on there for us on Apple Podcasts. really helps us out. And we'll keep these episodes coming and we'll talk a lot. I think our plan is probably have a little conversation about some goaltenders because there's a lot going on in that world too. Um, So that's going to be a really fun show. Thanks everybody. I'll talk to you next time, Brooke.